Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you for that lovely introduction, whoever you are. Bonnie in the house, I have to tell you, well, Deloitte has been recognized by SAP as the number one global partner. Follow Deloitte on Twitter at Deloitte SAP, and you can all spell that. So let's see what we're talking about today. Very important topic. The maturity of intelligent technologies continues to grow by leaps and bounds. Thank goodness for that. And industry leaders, like those of you in our listening audience all over the world, are taking advantage of the latest, we call it AI, you might know it as artificial intelligence and machine learning solutions. You want to innovate, you're trying to drive your business forward, and you want to gain that competitive edge. All big challenges. But with limitless possibilities for intelligent automation, determining where to place your bets can be challenging. And that's an interesting turn of phrase there. For many organizations like yours out there, finance and the supply chain will be the obvious starting points for innovation. And we all know finance, it's no longer sitting in a basement with green eye shades and a banker's lamp figuring out spreadsheets. They are the stewards of the business. And we know supply chain, my goodness, we're coming out of a year plus global pandemic and supply chains were hit very, very badly. So these are top of mind. These will be your obvious starting points. They have opportunities. They're rich with opportunities to automate tedious processes, old processes, stale processes. You want to increase your information visibility. You need it visible to be actionable and give you that data you need to go somewhere with it and deliver exceptional service now more important than ever. So our panel of Deloitte transformation professionals, I love saying that, will discuss the latest machine intelligence technologies and how you and your company can strategically deploy them to make an impact in finance, in the supply chain and beyond. You're going to get insights that can help you ride those waves of disruption and the disruption is disruptive as well. Act swiftly on opportunities that present themselves or find the opportunities you need to make happen and enable a built to evolve enterprise, which is the whole purpose of the Kinetic Enterprise. We have Jagjeet Singh. You can all wave for the video. Jagjeet, say hello. He's a newcomer to Connect Kinetic Enterprise. We're so happy to meet you. We have Denise McGuigan. Denise, welcome. It's been a while. We're so glad to have you back. And Hernan Krimkowitz, Hernan, wave. Happy to have you back. He's one busy guy. We know that. We're going to ask them for their take on the Kinetic Enterprise, unleashing innovation with AI and machine learning. It is a big topic. We have the right people here to talk about it. So let's go around the table and have introductions. Jagjeet, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. Take about three minutes. Tell everybody who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for this topic. Welcome, Jagjeet. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having me here. I'm Jagjeet Singh. I live in the musical city of Austin, Texas. I work at an intersection of business and technology that is supply chain and SAP. I've been with Deloitte for over a decade now and have been doing supply chain transformation work for organizations in life sciences and consumer sectors. I'm passionate about this topic of um, innovation related to artificial intelligence and machine learning because it is having such a profound impact on our everyday lives, including how we work, how we learn, uh, how we entertain ourselves and how we live. A few examples I'll give you. Today we have smart homes that are controlled by Alexa. 
we have smart apps like Amazon Prime Video and Netflix that suggest what we should watch. We have platforms like Coursera, Udemy, Udacity that look at our learning history, our learning goals, and tell us what we should enroll in. And we have um, we have sprinkler systems that are controlled by our mobile phone apps, right? So everything that we do today is essentially impacted by technologies like machine learning, artificial intelligence. Um, I mean, my background in supply chain gives me um, the additional knowledge, expertise, working with, uh, with organizations in these sectors uh, finding out opportunities where we can drive profitability for them, doing transformations using these um, these upcoming technologies. So, um, thank you. Back to you, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Great overview. You have held up the mirror of reality for us, Jagjeet. It's true. And anybody says, oh, tech, I have a neighbor who said to me, technology, I don't like it. I don't need it. I don't want to know about it. I said to her, my life is tech. She said, you can have it. I don't want, and I wanted to say, Karen, yeah, she's called, she's named Karen. Uh, we know we know about that one. Uh, Karen, it's all around you. It's it's in your house. It's in your car. It's everywhere you go. You you can't escape it. We are. You're right, Jagdeep. In a world of machine learning and artificial intelligence, it is the new bedrock of how we live. It's it's the modern world. So thank you for the overview. We appreciate your passion. Let's go around the table, Denise McGuigan. So happy to have you back. I'm going to put you on speaker view, Denise. I'm guessing there might be. Eight people around the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on. So talk to those eight people and tell them who you are, okay? (laughs) Happy to. Good morning. And thanks very much for having me back on again, Bonnie. Appreciate it. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Denise McGuigan. I'm partner within the Deloitte SAP practice here in the U.S. Um, I'm actually based out of Atlanta, although you can probably detect from my accent, I am not a native Georgian. Um, Originally from Ireland, I've been in the States um, almost 18 years now. So over the last, I would say, 60 to 18 years, I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of large, global, complex companies, really focused around finance transformation and innovation. So this topic is very, very near and dear to my heart. What I really focus on is trying to simplify the CFO organization and the finance function. And as Jajit said, you know, in our personal lives, we have so much technology, so much convenience. And when you go to work, if you don't have that same level of technology convenience, that's going to be a problem, right? So you think about even simple things within finance around big data, predictive analytics, you know, gone are the days of living in the spreadsheet era. And as, you know, Bonnie, you mentioned earlier, finance in the basement with the dark shades, mm-hmm. that's all in the past. So this is uh, definitely a very interesting topic and really looking forward to sharing some of my perspectives across technology, you know, process impact, even the people impact, and really what um, large-scale successful companies have already started to do within the AI space around upskilling teams and super teams. So look forward to uh, talking to you all today. Thank you, Denise. And and I appreciate your mentioning the people aspect. It always has to come down to it. That's that's to whom we are speaking right now around the world. We're not talking to hopefully machines. We're talking to people about people. And that's what these companies run on is that human asset. And now I'm going to go around the table to Hernan. Welcome back, Hernan. I understand you're a busy guy. You haven't slept in 48 hours. You're so busy doing your, doing your business. And we're so happy to have you and honored that you're taking the time. So Hernan, there might be, I think the 
same people who might not remember Denise, might not remember you, or actually there were different eight people. So go ahead. Your, your personality is so big. Hernan, reintroduce yourself to the audience and what's your passion for this very important topic. Welcome. Thank, thank you, Bonnie, uh, for having me again here. Uh, hopefully, you're not getting tired of me, but uh, it's great. So, Hernan Pinkio, which uh, been with Deloitte for 20 years, um, I uh, work on the finance transformation practice, doing technology. Uh, I also had the opportunity this year to, to lead the global assets and innovation uh, agenda of Deloitte. Um, so, so basically working a lot with different technologies uh, and trying to prove that what it wasn't possible a few years ago is possible now, right? So uh, I'm trying to challenge even more the technology because technology is progressing, but perhaps it's not where the human mind is yet of what we wanted to do, right? So, so my job is, besides everything I do, I mean, the passion with technology is about getting the technology latest trends and, and what is coming up and, and make it make it real for, for organizations, right? So um, that's what I spend most of the time, um, like both of uh, my colleagues, Denise and, and, and Jack Singh say, you know, it's all about people. Uh, it's all about the future of the organization. Um, we have a new wave of people coming into the workforce, right? And that people is expecting many is, is expecting to work differently to what people is working today or used today, right? And I can see that uh, daily, even with with my ten years old, right? So, like, I have my entire house runs on artificial intelligence. Right? I have every possible gadget, and she's into every single of those gadgets right into like managing the sprinkler managing the ac managing the lights it's everything about that and that's the and that's the type of people is going to go into the workforce in the next few years and, and you can basically tell that people that lives in with all this technology get to a company to an organization it's like okay go do this excel spreadsheet uh, in the basement right so it's not going to work well so 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 that's it's funny how everything that is happening in the house and now need to translate to the organization as well to accept these new people. Very, very good point. I remember years back, I'm probably dating myself when it was breaking news. I think the Ford company said to its employees, you can bring your own cell phone to work. And then the question, right, bring your device because we don't have those to give to you. And the question was, what can they take out of the walls of the company and home on their device? What about proprietary information? What about the security of whatever they were doing at work? It opened up all kinds of things, but the, Hernan, your point exactly, and I think you all, all of the others made the point is when people are used to a certain level of technology in their everyday life, they expect that at work. And the expectations of the work, we could be talking about the future of work here today. The expectations of people going to work, where are they going to work now? Are they going back to an office? Even if it's safe, do they want to? What kind of tech do you provide to them so that they can support the goals of your company? So we're talking tech and people. We've already gotten such a great overview of the topic. Thank you to the three of you. Now is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie, a TV, 
or a song that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And we're going to hear them be creative and human in telling us why they picked the quote and in their own words, what it does have to do with the topic. So there may be some surprises here today. Jagjeet has sent us a quote from Maximus played by Russell Crowe in the movie Gladiator 2000 epic historical drama film. I like the way they string together. It's not just a movie. It's an epic historical drama film. It might've had some action in there as well. Uh, It was directed by Ridley Scott, and I won't read you the rest of it, but Maximus Decimus Meridius is betrayed when Commodus, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, the ambitious son of Emperor Marcus Aurelius, murders his father and seizes the throne and reduces Maximus to slavery, and he becomes a gladiator. Here is the quote Jagjit has picked. This is really beautiful. Imagine where you will be, and it will be so. Jagjeet, I want to crochet this on a pillow if I can find my crochet hook. So talk to us. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Vani. So I watched Movie Gladiator in 2003, three years later than when it was released for uh, general in general theaters. And I watched that movie almost 10 times after that. Um, and this quote stuck with me the first time I watched it. Why? Because... This quote talks about the power of imagination, the importance of having a vision. And it, it talks about having a dream which you can turn into reality. So it, it talks about, and the topic that we are talking about today, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, we, these technologies have been around for almost 20, 30 years now. What is lacking is the vision or imagination about what we can do with all of these things. And that's where this, uh, this quote has stuck with me. I'll give you a, two examples, one personal and one from business. So back in 2012, I, was, I did a road trip from Pittsburgh to Miami. And on our way back, um, I was driving. Uh, we got late, I-95, we got struck in traffic. And my wife was sleeping on the passenger seat besides me. My kids were sleeping in the back. It was raining. It was dark. And I was driving. I was tired. And I was thinking to myself, what if this car could drive itself and I could just take a nap? (laughs) (laughs) And September 2013, that's when Tesla released its first autopilot, full with the features to drive itself, right? Of course, it was a beta version and there were things that need to be improved and fixed. But, um, and fast forward to today, I own a Tesla which can drive itself and it is fully capable of um, taking me wherever I want to go and I can take a nap only if authority is allowed to do that, right? So that's the sea change or quantum change that your imagination or vision can bring it to you, right? So. Another business example, right? So Amazon, our big company today, it was launched uh, as an online ebook store, mm-hmm. right? But Mr. Bezos, he had the vision to turn it into an e-commerce company, not just stay as the online book company, because today it is it impacts every single thing that we buy for our normal day-to-day use or even for our um, our personal and professional advancement, everything has is influenced by Amazon. Another example, um, Tesla, it started as an automotive company, 
right? It started as Tesla Motors. And then Musk realized that if, if I'm selling these cars, not just as electric cars, but cars with zero emissions, why can't I expand my business into a clean energy business? That's when Tesla got rid of motors at the end, and it is now named only as Tesla today. So having that vision of what you can do with, um, with these tools, solutions, and unleash the power of human potential with these technologies is extremely important. And I mean, ever since I have heard that quote, I have seen that turning into reality in one example or another, in one event or another in my life. So that's why um, I give it to you. Thank you very much. And it sounds to me like what we used to call the law of attraction, right? Put up a vision board, imagine it, think about it. And yes, I, I have some stories about looking for a car with a certain letter in the model. And somehow serendipity presented me with a completely different brand of car with that letter in the model. And I bought it on the spot because the other wasn't available. I'll tell you all off air later. But it's it's interesting. You They say you put those vibes out. You put the vision out to the universe if you believe in universal energy and things will happen. So thank you very much, Jagji. You're making this topic very, very human. Denise, let's look at your quote. You've sent us another iconic character, Morpheus, played by the iconic Lawrence Fishburne in The Matrix. That's one of the most popular movies quoted on all of my shows, Denise. Uh, 1999 science fiction cyberpunk action film. It's the subgenre of sci-fi as cyberpunk. Morpheus is a fictional character in The Matrix franchise. And here is the quote. Listen up, everyone. Throughout human history, we have been dependent on machines to survive. Fate, it seems, is not without a sense of irony. Wow, Denise, that's some <laughs> quote. That's, that's, that takes, takes our whole topic to a new level. Talk to me. How'd you find this one? And what does it, what does it mean in your own words? So what I find interested or interesting in this one is in the movie, right, the machines ended up controlling the humans and pretty much taking over and using zapping all their energy. But when I when I think about today in the world we live in, we couldn't live without the machines, right? And even when I think about levering, leveraging new technologies, I actually feel it's the opposite. There was a fear, a genuine fear of, well, the machines can't replace humans. They'll replace all of our jobs, despite the fact that we love the convenience of Uber and Grubhub. In the last year, my God, to Jackie's point, talking about Amazon and being able to leverage all these new technologies. But despite all these apocalyptic predictions about workers being replaced by intelligent machines, what I've seen a trend over the last few years is organizations are now taking a whole fresh new approach to this. They are now actively seeking strategies to integrate artificial intelligence with their workforce. And I think they're starting to realize that artificial intelligence just isn't about automation and productivity. It's about actually providing insights that can help you develop new business and business models and evolve. And we're starting to see this new concept of um, super teams, which is really combining the machines and humans together for better transformational value. And this also, what the interesting piece of this is, it's not just finding value for the organization, it's also helping the employees even better their career. You know, being able to upskill, take on new activities, projects, initiatives, things they probably never dreamt of ever doing before. So that's why I picked this quote. I, th- I think it's uh, it's fitting to the topic. I think it's very interesting and, and looking forward to unpacking this a little bit more. Thank you very much. Very interesting. The Matrix, as I said, does pop up. I think it was the 20th anniversary last year. Everybody was 
talking about the movie. Maybe I'm thinking back to the future. Now it goes way farther back. Thank you, Denise. Let's go to Hernan. Hernan has sent us a quote from a movie about an iconic person, Howard Hughes in The Aviator, 2004 American epic biographical drama film. And he was played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And here's the quote, very telling about Hughes. Don't tell me I can't do it. Don't tell me it can't be done. Hernan, you're up. That's a very, very interesting quote for today. Go ahead. Well, I think to, to, to what um, Denise and Jackie have been talking about it, right? So I, I think that still sometimes we, when we talk to people, when we talk to others, right, a lot of people think that we're still talking about science fiction, right? Uh, that, that, that we're talking about like, things that it's like, ah, come on, that cannot happen, right? The reality is that technology has been progressing and a lot of things that couldn't have happened perhaps even 24 months ago now are possible, right? And, and, and I'm saying 24 months ago, there are things that couldn't have been done six months ago and now can be done, right? So I think that people get afraid with everything that needs for that technology to work, there is other things that needs to basically be aligned to, right? And people get afraid of the entire things or, or the entire ecosystem things that needs to be working together, right? And, and, and the easy reaction is, ah, that cannot be done. And then I think when you start breaking things in, 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 a, in a logical framework, right? So sure, perhaps a solution, overall solution cannot be working right now with artificial intelligence and machine learning, but break it down into a process, breaking down into a task, right? Start a small, start making sure that the small thing works, then you can grow. So, so I think I was thinking about having this, this work because a lot of the reaction that we, we get a lot of time is uh, that cannot be done, we cannot make that work, we will take years to make that work. Well, no, it's not going to take that long. It's not going to be like that, right? So you need to have you need to have the right expectations. You need to have the right way of thinking about that. And a lot of things that couldn't be done before now can be done with this technology. Uh, and, and it's there and it's progressing. And you just need to basically have the right mindset about that. And, and that's the reason I pick it, right? Because it, a lot of things it can be done now. Uh, it's just that you, you need to have the right mindset uh, to get it done. Thank you very much. Interesting. The three quotes gel together very, very nicely as far as having a vision, having imagination, right? Having ability to think outside that box and then bringing the energy and the processes, the people, the technologies to make it all happen. Thank you all for putting the time in for the quotes. I really appreciate it. And I learned a lot. And we've got some new favorite quotes now because of the three of you. Now's the part of the show where we go to the discussion statements. It's going to be a true roundtable. Jagjeet, I'm looking at what you sent me, and I think statement one and two go together very nicely. I don't usually combine, but one is an example and two is what to do. And we're looking for actionable insights for our listeners around the world. Uh, I just want to tell our listeners, if you're new to the Kinetic Enterprise, welcome. This is a live show we do every other Friday, and the show repeats on the in-between Friday, so you have plenty of access to it. Voice America Business Channel, look for the Kinetic Enterprise, and you will find all of the wonderful shows we've done. My guests send me statements 
statements, discussion statements. I pick a statement. I'm picking one and two combined for Jagjit Singh. I'm going to ask Jagjit to take about three minutes and unpack it. We love that word because it's newsworthy. And then we're going to turn into a true roundtable. I'm going to ask Denise to agree or disagree with Jagjit. And then Hernan, we're going to get you in here to agree or disagree with either or both. So you've got your work cut out for your Hernan. And then I'll pick a statement from Denise. We'll go around the table, same order, and then we will pick one from Hernan. So Jagjit, I'm going to combine these two. Statement number one, you say the pandemic put a spotlight on the fragility of global supply chains. I'm going to let you give the Suez Canal example. And how do you build resilient supply chains? So let's do a quick mini tour of an example and the how-to. Jagjit, go ahead. Absolutely, Bernie. Happy to. So traditionally, supply chains were all about cost efficiencies, right? I mean, whether it is cheaper manufacturing in countries like Taiwan, China, Mexico, whether it was cost-efficient distribution using ocean routes, whether it was minimal storage costs with their houses that are located close to the customers in a hub-and-spoke model, whether it was economies of scale in procurement um, by consolidation of suppliers into just a few instead of having multiple. So risk was mostly an afterthought. And what pandemic did was it jolted the executives who are across these organizations globally into a into from a reactionary mode into a proactive mode. And what I mean by that is the supply chains were already fragile. It is not that pandemic made them fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, even simple events like wildfires, hurricanes on the East Coast or um, a tsunami in uh, Japan, they could also disrupt the supply chains. They were fragile already. Pandemic just spotlighted the fragility of those supply chains globally across multiple organizations. And what that did was executives realized it's not enough to be only risk aware and tackle those when they become issues. It is important to sense those risks in advance and do something about it um, take actions, take decisions like build alternate distribution routes, build your um, alternate supplier base, build capabilities of manufacturing that are local to you, closer to your customers. And there is a new trend that is emerging right now is earlier it was centralization, all about outsourcing. Now it is about insourcing and decentralization. Because because companies now want to be closer to their customers so that they don't get disrupted by pandemics and these events like this. One interesting thing, even a simple event like Swiss Canal, ship stuck in Swiss Canal, can impact so many companies worldwide. That is a, a testament to the fact that supply chains were already fragile. They were already in that mode. Um, so what what companies can do or what organizations can do to build resilience. I think they they what they can do is they first need to, if they are already running some archaic platforms or archaic capabilities for their people, they need to modernize their processes. They need to build those digital foundation to build, build a core that is strong enough on which they can build some differentiated capabilities using technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence. I'll give you an example. Almost every company organization today has a smart dashboard with which they can track different KPIs in different sections of the supply chain, be it planning, manufacturing, procurement, 
distribution, development, any of those. Now imagine a scenario where you have, um, instead of a smart dashboard, a risk sensing mechanism where you can anticipate the demand spikes and shortfalls before they happen. And you can uh, I mean, stock up your inventory of components, which is what, for example, Kia Motors did, and they didn't get impacted by these semiconductor shortages or chip sh shortages that happened. So you can stock up those inventories and then you can um, you cannot be disrupted by events like these. And that differentiates you from your competitors that you that puts you ahead of the league and that gives you an advantage in the market when others are trying to cut back production because they don't have components enough components to make. Um, another another example is imagine if you have a capability where you can um, have a risk rating of your suppliers where you have uh, your suppliers rated by risk categories and those risk categories can be assigned different kind of weightages, which basically make you uh, things like whether regulation or compliance risk is important for your organization or environmental factors are more important. You can assign those weightages and then you can uh, look at those risk uh, ratings or internal risk ratings of your suppliers that can arm you with information that you can use in your contract negotiations with those suppliers and can also give you the strategic advantage to build an alternate supplier base if you if you have critical components that can shut down your factories so having those type of capabilities is what executives are realizing more and more is imminent to not get disrupted in the new normal and you cannot build those capabilities unless you have a strong core a very clean set of modernized processes to support that strong core on which you can build these edge innovations and that's, that's the trend that uh, I have been seeing in the market. And that's um, something that I wanted to share here. Thank Back you very you, much. Molly. Very interesting. I noticed you touched on dashboards, which was your statement number three. So we, we, we unpacked most of your statement. Thank you. That was very interesting. Denise, let's get you in on this. Agree or disagree with anything or everything Jagjeet just shared with us. Denise, I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly agree with all the statements that um, Jaiji just shared. And there was two words that, that jumped out, resilience and proactive. And when I think about, and I'll be a little bold here, I, I would almost say that supply chain is really reliant on finance and accounting now, right? I'm biased, obviously. But in my world, that is the center of the universe, right? And all the things that Jaiji just talked about, things like cost efficiency, inventory turns, I've really seen, especially last year, where, you know, CFOs and chief accounting officers, they've had to really, really change, you know, from that steward mindset to more of a strategic catalyst mindset. They had to be proactive, resilient, and they had to do it in short order. So as, as Jack Deed mentioned things around, you know, looking at inventory, trying to see what is the fastest flow path? What is the cheapest way? What is the fastest speed to value? You can actually do that right now. You've got cloud, you've got big analytics, the technology is there. So I think, if anything, the last year has really, really pushed the envelope on companies having to transform the supply chain, transform their finance and accounting oper operations. And it's just really important to understand all the different technologies at play. The biggest underlying key to all of this, too, is data. 
I think there's been a huge explosion of data over the last few years, and, and many organizations have lived with very complex, disparate landscapes, multiple ERPs. To really take advantage of AI and all the new technologies, data monetization is the, the very first key. But I uh, certainly agree with all the points that uh, Jagjeev mentioned there. Thank you very much, Hernan. Let's get you in on this party. What do you think? Uh, what? Well, Denise agreed. You still have the opportunity to disagree or challenge anything Jagjeet said. Go ahead, Hernan. Well, no, I think I think that um, they were basically making a lot of good points. So uh, I, I think that um, the way that I'm looking at this, right, is um, the C, CXO, right, all of them are reacting now to to the tolerance of the people, right? And people have less and less tolerance for inefficiencies, right? And and we have seen that through the pandemics, the, the company, the organizations that uh, use the pandemics even to grow further are the organizations that are much more efficient and they have the right technology to support the end customer, right? So uh, frankly speaking, even even in everybody everybody's life, on a, on a daily choices, right? There are reasons why you use whatever you use to buy something. Uh, and it is all because of the efficiency. It takes less time, it takes less, it, it bothers you the less, and, and you get the products um, very quickly where you want it to be. So I think it's all about, um, and, and I was going to make that point as well as, as an email, right? So it's all about that data, right? Be able to use the technology, but to use that technology, and that was part of the point I made, before it, you have to have an entire ecosystem working with the same data, right? And, and if you have that right, then you can start growing into the different processes. We can actually put the products where it needs to put the product. We have to basically have the products closer to, to where the demand is, right? And a lot of the stuff that we have seen in the last few years, a lot of the struggle is because you don't have the right data. You can't just cross the demand and the supply. And that has happened uh, for many organizations, right? Um, that is changing. That will continue change as as people um, get access to more and more data and more opportunities. And to be frankly speaking, it's about the tolerance. People don't have the tolerance that I used to have like a year ago or two years ago in terms of efficiency, right? If I want something, I want it tomorrow. I don't want to wait a week, right? So I better have that very soon uh, in the door of my house. And and for an organization to react to that right? It can live with the processes that you set up like 10 or 15 years ago when your mindset was, I'm going to build this to last forever, right? There is no build for last forever again, right? Technology is changing every six months. Technology is changing every year and you have to be able to adapt that quickly. Um, and that's what is coming, right? So this is not going to stop. This, this, this wave of evolution is not going to stop now. It's going to continue and you need to keep, you need to jump on that train or everything that is going to happen. You're going to still falling behind and more behind uh, as the time progresses and as technology keeps evolving. Can't be late to the party and you got to get there, right, Hernan? Pretty much. The time is now. now. Jagjeet, this was your topic. Why don't you comment anything back you want to say to Denise or Hernan before we move on? Jagjeet? Yeah, just one comment. I think um, what Hanan said at the end, that there is no build to last forever. I saw that in action very recently. I was working with a company that was building a multi-year roadmap for a major transformation of their supply chain and manufacturing ops. Uh, 
and we had three options laid out three years, four years, five years long. And we were pushing for the option with three years, the client was risk averse and they wanted to uh, take an option which was slightly longer. And when we pivoted the discussion to, hey, if you continue to deploy this uh, foundation for next five years, what if the technology changes drastically over those five years? What if you are in year four or year five and the digital foundation that you're deploying today that is already changed by leaps and bounds, are you going to initiate another project or are you going to stop this and do something else? That basically helped us in those conversations around doing it faster, uh, having speed to value, doing it quickly, and then um, operating in an agile way so that you can build differentiated capabilities on top of that. That that uh, built to last has become built to evolve now, where you build your capabilities in an MVP fashion today, and then continue to enhance and evolve with the more and greatest, latest and greatest that is out there in the tech market. So I think that's a very important com- concept. So thank you, Hernan, for bringing it to life as well. Thank you. And and what's interesting is you're talking, we're back to the people conversation, right? You need people who have vision, but I'm going to say something maybe a little controversial. Somebody with a strong stomach who can say, what? We just met with Jagjeet six months ago, 12 months ago, and we had a plan. It was a three-year plan, a four-year plan. And he warned us. He said, what if the technology changes? What if the world changes? What if there are new disruptions? What do you do then? How do you keep moving forward with a disruption-resilient plan that keeps you moving. And it takes a certain kind of leader to be able to understand this, to grasp it, and to live with it. Anybody have any comments on that? Hernan, it looks like you're ready to pounce on that one. Well, well, yeah, I was I, I was going to say, right, so because it's still in, in so many places and so many conversations that we have, right, this is still that mindset that I just want, especially when it's technology, right, this is still taking us an expense, and it's not really an expense. Uh, the technology brings value, right? So you can basically be thinking like, I want to do it once and that's it and I'm never going to move forward. That's not going to happen. That's not what is happening in this current world, right? So technology keeps coming and it keeps evolving and it's going to bring additional value. It's going to bring a different type of model, business model. It, it's going to keep going, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to evolve and you need to basically jump on that one because if you think that you're going to build it once and it's going to last for the next 10 years, mm. ain't happening anymore. That was the 80s, that was the 90s, that was early 2000, right? 2020, um, we are sending, what, Bezos is going to the, to the moon for 11 hours and coming back, right? So that's, that, that's what we are actually doing now. So uh, technology is going to keep evolving and, 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 and you, can ha- you have to change that mindset, right? You have to change a more evolutionary, more visionary view. And, and sometimes that means that we're going to have to do the rework, right? A lot of, I, I keep hearing the rework. Uh, we need to minimize the reward. Sure, you have to minimize the reward. What you need to basically be open is that there is going to be new technology, there is going to be new opportunities, and what you did, it was good for the year, it was good for the two, three years. Now there is something else and you need to move on. And that gets rid of the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? It, it's, it's not going to be broke. It's going to be something better is there and you've got to. Denise, anything you want to chime in on this one? Interesting conversation. Thoughts? No, I, I think they covered it all. I think that 
the whole concept around to evolve, right? Not the mill to last anymore. You know, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, from the, from the finance perspective, if you look at some of these businesses and how quickly they evolve in different business models and the different reporting dimensions they now need, I mean, just being able to pivot quickly, understand analytical data, understand the performance of the company, having the tools, the technology and the data behind it to support it is absolutely critical. And I think this last year proved it. It absolutely did. Thank you all. Great conversation. Denise, I'm going to pick on you again. I'm looking at your statement number two. I know this is where your heart is on reporting and finance. So Denise said, if we fast forward into the future, we're talking about the future. It could be 30 seconds from right now, right? Reporting will completely transform. It will likely be intelligent, interactive, and real time. I'm going to let you finish those statements, Denise. Let's have you expand us, unpack it, and then we will ask Hernan to comment, and then we'll go around to Jagjeet. So, Denise, you're up. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think you said it well, Bonnie. We're, we're there right now. When, when you think about the past, the past reporting, you thought about, you know, binders full of spreadsheets, charts, pages and pages worth of data, teams behind the scenes working feverishly to get a report created. And I think someone on, on the show mentioned it earlier, we, when we want the report, we want it now. We don't want to have to wait to the end of the week. We don't want to have to wait to the end of the month. But the shocking fact is many companies actually still to this day spend about half of their time creating the actual reports. And then the actual consumption and understanding and the storytelling of that report, they really only spend like 20% of their time. It needs to be the opposite. And the reality is now that we talked about the explosion of data earlier, right? So now data is democratized, if you will. It's readily available. Therefore, companies have to understand how to standardize, how to automate reporting in a way that's flexible, user-friendly, and self-service, right? Gone are the days where finance and accounting, supply chain, or whatever part of the organization you sat in, you had to create a ticket for a report. Now you should be able to pull that data yourself, create your own view of it, and off you go. From a talent pool perspective, what I see is very interesting here. It's less of knowing how to create the reports and have more of an analytical mindset and understanding the reports, but being able to tell a story, being able to consume that information, turn it into a meaningful story so you can kind of share with your team, share with executives, turning it into meaningful insights so business decisions can be made. And this has to be done on a regular basis, hour to hour, day to day, not weeks and months. And what we've seen really over the last few years is obviously a lot of use of chatbots, you know, natural language generation, um, really the key drivers, of course, visualization, RPA, and predictive analytics. We're seeing a lot of that within the forecasting space and analytics. And as the statement said, like reporting will become more intelligent, right? It'll have machine learning to be able to depict trends, propose a result, find issues in the reporting, things that we depended on a human to really look at before. You know, we humans doing the bulk of the work. They were doing the review. They were doing the tweaking. They needed to have the knowledge and the wisdom. Now, with reporting being interactive, you know, all those physical paper reports, they're gone. Now you have digital assistance. You can even use the chatbot feature to pull up my quarterly sales reports on the fly. So reporting will be real time. Um, and, you know, it, right now it's just table stakes. Talking about intelligent being real time, flexible, interactive, intelligent, to, to me now that's table stakes. And if you don't have it, you're going to find a very, very hard time just keeping up with the, the fast change of technology and business. Thank you, Denise. And my takeaway from all that you said, and the, the wonderful comments you gave us, 
Storytelling. We don't often hear the word tell the story, storytelling related to finance reports, seriously. Mm-hmm. And you've just made it human. You just humanize it because people tell stories, right? And if you bring a report to life and you tell a story of what that report shows, then you've related it to the people who can do something about it. I, I think I've got a, an interesting thread here. Hernan, would you like to comment on this? Agree or disagree? A lot to unpack here. What do you think? Um. I, I'll give you an example. So that that, that is still still happening there, right? So I, I recently had a conversation with, with one of one organization, right? And 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 we were talking about how you looking, how you visualizing uh, or envision this this process to work on the different layers, right? And 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 we got to talk about the reporting and and the first comment that says like we have all the visualization tool that you can ever imagine. That's like great. So you are intelligent then, you you there. No, so why not? Then you have all the different things. So why are you not? We cannot trust data. It's like, okay, (laughs) so you have all the technology, but you just cannot trust the underlying data. I say, no, so so we have all these different tools, uh, but we cannot get in a meeting and basically do it live. And we cannot do it live because we don't trust the data at all. And, 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 And it's, it's not funny, it actually becomes sad that you, you're investing a lot, right? You, you're talking about all this technology that is there, but there is a main main layer, which is your data, which is not fixable. Or it's not fixed yet. It's fixable, but it's not fixed yet. And because that underlying set of data or, or underlying um, the, piece of information you need is not good. You cannot actually use all the great technology that, that is there. And, and that was part of my comment, right? So before it's like you, you need to go in small steps sometimes and you need to fix some of the stuff that you haven't done for many years to, to take opportunity of this technology because then it's just right, right? And there are organizations that are making it and, and even ourselves, right? So. I, I want to be able to run reports uh, about the operations on, 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 on my tablets like, or, or on my iPhone, like on a daily basis, on, on an hourly basis, if I know something is coming, right? But, but to get there, you have to have a right foundation. And if that foundation is not there, you can't use it, right? And that's where a lot of the frustration is with people and with organizations. We don't have the right foundation, so then we cannot make a progress. And, and I think that that's a wrong thing because you're going to have to tackle down really quickly because otherwise that, that, that is, that is going to keep, it's not going to go, it's not going to go slow because you want it to go slow. It's going to improve the difference with the, the, the companies that are making that progress, those organizations that are making that leap forward. So um, that's what I think. I mean, in, in terms on, on this topic with reporting, what Denise is, is, is saying is happening but not everybody is taking opportunity of, of, of that of that vision right now. And that's why we're here talking about it. So we can open their ears and their eyes and their minds to the options and the opportunities. Jagjeet Singh, we'd love to get you to chime in. What do you think? Reporting, intelligence, storytelling? Where do you sit on this one? Yeah, happy to, Bonnie. So I agree with everything that Denise and Hernan said. Um, I do want to reinforce on three points, right? The first one which you highlighted actually storytelling. A lot of times people get bogged down into creating reports, making sure data is accurate and everything. 
and they missed the whole point of it, which is essentially what are you trying to tell based on that data? And that's where the storytelling aspect comes in and executives and organizations that are successful, they have people on the top who can give the message, who can tell that story that comes out of those reports. The second thing I wanted to highlight was around something that Denise mentioned, chatbots. So I literally sat in a client meeting in one of the organizations that I was working with where they were doing a sales and operations planning annual meeting and there was a uh, chatbot with one of the um, facilitators of that meeting who basically queried the chatbot with a question saying, what would happen if I run a promotion for XYZ item and what would it do to my plant capacities? The chatbot churned the data around and gave the answer back. Sometimes those questions are not even known, right? What, are, what is the question that you are trying to answer? You cannot frame all, all of those questions and anticipate all of those things in advance. This is why the other point that Denise was making that reporting has to be flexible. It, the gone are the days where you determine a layout of the report. This is how you are going to see it and you will continue to do it year on year on year on year. That's not going to happen anymore. You have to bring the pool of data and the capabilities to the people who want to tell the story so that they can use the elements of those um, tools and capabilities, play around with the data, build a clean foundation with, with the data that you can trust to Hernan's point. And then you can pull those elements together to weave a story that you want to tell. Because otherwise that data, that report, none of that has any point unless you can um, convey the key message. What is the takeaway? What is, what is it that you want to convey to your audience? And I think that's a very key aspect of this whole equation because if you read those things right and if your message is wrong, you can end up making decisions that can disrupt your portfolios. If those are right, that can give you an edge over competitors and put you in the category of one where there is nobody besides you People are behind you and they are miles and miles behind you. Interesting. We've turned this into a, a race scenario there. I like that very much. Thank you for that great topic, Denise. Denise, we have six minutes left to the show and I want to do crystal ball predictions quickly before we stop. But I'm looking at your statement for Denise and you talk about edge computing. Can we just spend a, about a minute and a half to around the table? You said edge computing, AI and advanced connectivity have enabled companies to proactively evolve. That's our key word here in an ever fast changing world. Denise, why don't we just do a quick overview of Edge and then we'll see what Hernan and Jagjeet have to say. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this kind of goes back to what we just talked about around technology and data. And actually, I like what Jagjeet just said around what question are you trying, what's the question you're trying to ask? What's the problem you're trying to solve? That is so important when you start moving into Edge technologies and AI. But essentially the intelligent edge combines computer power, AI technology, data analytics to allow you to act quickly and where data is captured, really simply put, right? And because now the cloud capabilities have literally expanded from data centers to edge networks, you can actually go to where the use cases are actually being generated and created, right? And that's how you're getting that fast intelligent response. And I think it goes back to the data conversation where we said, you know, there's been this huge explosion of data 
more complex operations, ever-evolving markets, where the edge now has actually become even more central, if you will, because all this is driven by, you know, when you heard Jack G talk about this too in the supply chain world, sensors, right, demands from customers, it's forced companies to be more responsive than ever before. So connectivity is critical. It's table stakes in this sense, right? So it now makes sense to reduce the distance between where the data is processed. And even with, and I think, Jack, did you hit on this too, with, with supply chain and COVID-19 disruptions, it forced ports to digitize. Like we've been seeing in China, ports are piloting um, like 5G to automate terminal processes. They're managing all the orchestration of port activities by literally um, having cranes using machines to be able to locate the corner of a cargo container and be able to, you know, put that on the cargo container 24-7, even at night you know, reducing the workforce to be able to do that. So, you know, when we think about the collaboration, the, the connectivity and what you're going to need from like cloud platform providers, IT tech companies and industry experts, that's where a lot of big companies are going to be spending their time. They're going to need a collaboration of all these experts to really help them take advantage of some of this edge computing and AI. Denise, can we consider that your prediction? Companies Absolutely. Okay, yeah, that's your we're prediction. We're up on time, yeah. There you go. So we've got about three and a half minutes. Uh, Jagjeet, I'm going to go to you next. Why don't you take 60 seconds? I know you have a lot to say, 60 seconds. Where do you predict we're going with all of us? We've been talking about AI, machine learning, the need to evolve, be resilient enough and agile enough and nimble enough and mindset open enough to keep evolving despite disruptions unlike anything companies have seen in their most of their lifetimes. So where do you see this going? Jagjeet, 60 seconds, all yours. Go. Yeah, I think what Denise mentioned around that edge is become, becoming more central. I think that's the key. I, I agree with that statement 100% because that's what um, organizations and companies are focusing more and more on, uh, putting more focus on not just within the network they are controlling, but beyond going beyond that network into the ecosystem of suppliers and customers tracking their products when they have left their warehouses using sensors, beacons, and using the cloud technologies, machine learning, artificial intelligence to basically make decisions even before those products reach to customer warehouses and not incurring penalties if products are impacted by environmental factors or things like that. So a lot of that is uh, what I'm seeing in the market um, that edge is becoming core now so edge is the new core. I think that's that's the trend that I'm seeing. Edge is the new core. Okay, Hernan, you get the last word. I've got 60 seconds. That's it. Go ahead, Hernan. I like always to have the last word. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so uh, I think to 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 point, right? So I think uh, what we used to know as core, core is table stakes. Core is like you're not even. A, it's really just you need to have it. That's it. It's not gonna bring you a difference. I think the big difference is on the on on the orchestration of the ecosystem, right? Having done the right things in the right place, right? Not to have shortcuts. So there is a lot. It's not just one technology that is going to make you successful. To to um to the next point, right? Um, you have to have the entire ecosystem with the entire le- 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 um, layers of what we call like uh, the reference architecture, right? have it narrowed down to know where you need to go and do, um, have the data right, making sure the cloud computing is there, the the processing, the power processing is there, right? The sensors are working to make sure that ecosystem can work uh, 
very, very streamlined, right? And and in a very streamlined fashion, right? And and again, it's not it's not anymore about the core, it's about the edge, and to get to the edge, it's about the entire ecosystem. It's not just one technology that is gonna solve for all. And for that, you really need good data that can communicate in the same language. Back to data. I can't thank the three of you enough. What an interesting conversation. Very lively. We tapped into a lot of great insights and a lot of intelligence here, not just the technologies, the people. So thank you very much. We have to do a shout out to our new showrunner on Deloitte, the Connecticut Enterprise, Hasmin Bolanas Flores. Everybody give her a round of applause for putting this together. Appreciate that. Helen Tomas at Deloitte for sponsoring the series, and it's been renewed for the rest of the year. I'm thrilled with that. And a shout out to Deloitte's Natalie Butler and Maria Rechtedwald in the background supporting these shows. And a shout out also to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire. He started with me three years ago and he was 26 at the time. He's 68 now. I put him through his paces. There you go. I want to thank everybody and say, everybody have a great day. Keep your mind open. Keep thinking about how technologies can move your company ahead. The edge is the core. So many great insights today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for the Kinetic Enterprise presented by Deloitte. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Everybody wave. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.